grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning again, everyone. Uh, So excited to be with you here this morning. Uh, As I was talking earlier, I know the preschoolers are going to lead us in worship in just a minute, and I always love that, but personally, I'm kind of invested too because I've got one of those preschoolers, so I might shed a tear or two, you know what I mean? Uh, It's so good to see our little ones up there leading us in worship, and so I'm probably going to be like you. I'm going to be like, Hey, come on, preacher, let's get this going, all right? Get on with the sermon, all right, because we want them to come in. So I'll make it short this morning, but we still are at a church service, and we're in the middle of this uh, Life Group Sermon Series, Sermon Series uh, Reformed. We're in week four, and we've covered a lot of ground, and we've been considering the elements of the Protestant Reformation from 500 years ago, kind of the the key truths, and how those uh, truths are relevant for us today, 500 years later, and how we can reform our lives for the better. And so as the video kind of highlighted, we, we've talked about conscience, we've talked about identity being reformed in Jesus Christ alone, solus Christus. Last week we talked about authority reform, sola scriptura, that scripture can be an authoritative uh, guide and voice in our life to lead us to truth. And this week we're looking at justice reform. Now, when you think of justice, what do you think of? And my mind kind of goes in three or four different directions, but one of the directions that when I hear the word justice that I go to, I go, I go back to my childhood, and I hear the phrase, meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Anybody else remember that? Am I kind of dating myself a little bit? I'm 43, so we're probably in the same category, whatever. It was a DC comic cartoon. I don't even know the cartoon. What is like the Justice League or something like that. Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, the Hall of Justice. But I found out later that halls of justice actually do exist in the world. And uh, we got one up in L.A., and a hall of justice usually has like a police department, sheriff's department, district attorney, maybe county jail, uh, 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 police department, and offices and county courts, all sort of things like that. There's a big place of justice. And when it comes to societies, when it comes to cities and counties and states and, and countries, it's important for us to maintain justice. When justice is maintained, we have order in our society, right? We have a civil society. And there is definitely a big place for justice. There's a big place for that sort of system in our thinking, in our acting, in our living. But it's not the only system, and it's not the only logic, and it's not the only way of existence for us to really live and to really find our identity, Because if we try to bring the hall of justice mentality into other spheres in our life, it just doesn't work. If a judge or a police officer or a district attorney tries to bring their methods of justice into every relationship in their life, well, they're going to wreak havoc, right? I mean, we've, we've seen stories about this. If you go back 500 years, something similar was happening with Martin Luther. Martin Luther, he viewed God as a purely hall of justice sort of God. God was a rule giver. God was a police officer. God was a judge. God was someone who gave out punishments for crimes. And so he tried to earn his way to God. He tried to obey all the Ten Commandments all the time. He prayed and he fasted. He would sleep out in the cold without a blanket. He would try to beat himself into uh, some sort of punishment so he could get right with God. I mean, he did crazy things. But the more Martin Luther started reading the Bible and opening the word and looking at the Holy Scriptures, the more he began to see that this narrative that he was told about God was wrong. The more he began to see that this God as a hall of justice sort of God was completely wrong. 
And as he opened the scriptures, he began to see God as loving, merciful, gracious, awesome and powerful, fatherly in all the good sorts of ways. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 says this, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Martin Luther saw scriptures like this, and he saw God as loving, as merciful, as gracious, as salvation, giving us a heavenly status, giving us the riches of his grace. And those words there, the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And it's in that kindness to us in Christ Jesus that we see justice reformed. Because in Christ, we are all given the status. Christ, what he did on the cross, gives us the status as children of God. Jesus was given to us so that we might become children, so that we might view God not in a hall of justice sort of way, but from a family sort of way. You see, Luther, 500 years ago, was trying to get his way, earn his way into God's family by being perfect. He tried to do good so that his dad, his heavenly father, would love him. But Martin Luther didn't realize that his dad, his heavenly father, already loved him. His heavenly father had already adopted him into the family. His heavenly father already went beyond the system of the hall of justice. He went to the system of mercy, to love, ultimately grace. That's family. The family is the highest institution of humanity. And God brought Luther and God has brought all of us into his family by grace. Sola gratia, grace alone. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, big verse for us. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Grace and gift, sola gratia, grace alone. That's justice reformed. You, know, you hear that word grace, and sometimes you kind of wonder, what, is that, what does grace really mean? What is, what is grace? When you look at it in the Bible, grace is the completely undeserved, loving commitment of God to us. And I think that we can start to see the Heavenly Father's grace for us and toward us when we think of ourselves more as being part of His family and not part of God's hall of justice. And if we could ask ourselves the question, I mean, could you, could you imagine a family that tried to operate like the hall of justice, right? No one would ever make it into a family. The hall of justice lifts up something called the lex talionis, the law of retribution, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You deserve uh, an equitable punishment when you do something wrong. And we believe in this thing in society. It helps society have good order. You You speed, you get a ticket. You murder someone, you go to a prison for a long time. The punishment fits the crime, and it creates order in our society. It's a system that works on some level. That sort of system doesn't work with the family, right? Whereas you have to earn your right to become an honorable citizen, you are born into a family. You didn't do anything to become part of it. And as I was thinking about this this past week, I think about our, our cute little preschoolers are going to be coming in here in a moment, all 60, 70, 80, 90, whatever of them. 
It's going to be awesome. And God placed them into our lives as babies. Remember those days? Remember when they were born? We had before they were even born. And we still have a completely undeserved loving commitment to them. That's grace. They didn't do anything to deserve our love for them. That is grace. I remember going to a birthday party of one of those little preschoolers that's going to be singing up here in a moment. And the mom got up to say thanks, and she was shedding tears of love, and the dad went over to encourage her. And that was a picture of grace, complete, undeserved, loving commitment for their child. Our children don't earn our love. We love them from the beginning. We love them from before they're born. That's grace. There's no eye for an eye. And there's no tooth for a tooth mentality. We don't say, whatever you do to me, little one, I'm going to do to you, right? Because they come into this world kicking and screaming, right? And we whisper and we hold them and we calm them. That's grace. They come into this world crying of hunger and thirst, and we feed and we nourish them. That's grace. They wake us up just when we are about to go get a wink of sleep after being awake for 48 hours. And we go to them. We tend to them. That's grace. They make everything dirty, right? They puke and they spit up and they slobber, and there's a whole host of stories I could tell you about the other stuff. We don't retaliate, right? There's no eye for eye, tooth for tooth sort of thing going on there. We clean, and we clean, and we clean, and we clean. At 3 o'clock in the morning, we go down to Walmart, and we pick up one of those steam cleaners to clean our carpet. That's what we do. I'm not bitter about that. We clean, and we make new. That's grace. The baby does absolutely nothing. And we don't say, you, you know what, kid? You're just a freeloader. You're just... You're just milking the system. You get that pun there? All right. You come on back when you get a job. No. It's not the hall of justice in a family system. Families embrace grace. The baby does absolutely nothing, and mom and dad, grandma or grandpa, aunt or uncle, big brother, sister, guardian, whoever it is, God places that child into our lives, and we do everything for her, we do everything for him, because we love that child more than anything else in all creation. And I love that picture, because that picture is an echo. It's an image, it's a dim reflection of God the Father's gracious love to us. You see, if we who are broken, we who are flawed, we who are not perfect, we who are sinful can love our children like that, what does that say about the gracious love of our Heavenly Father? That's some powerful love. And we know that a child that is loved by her parents from the very beginning grows to be a strong, healthy, loving human being, having an identity rooted in grace and in love. That child grows up to do good and do gracious things in her life because of who she is where she comes from. She doesn't do them to be a part of the family. She does them because she is part of the family. And that's a big thing that Martin Luther learned 500 years ago. And maybe we could reform our thinking a little bit this morning. Maybe each day from here on out, we can remind ourselves, we can get up in the morning and say, I'm a child of God. 
I was born into his family. I didn't earn his love. I was born into his family through faith, and his gracious love for me in Christ defines me as his child. I didn't do anything to deserve it, and I don't do anything to stay in this family. His grace does it all. And that's a good place for a child to be. And that includes us big kids right here, right now in the room. And so maybe as we go about our day as loved children of the Heavenly Father, we'll do good things out there. We'll do gracious things. We'll do loving things, things that will change the world because we're part of a gracious and loving family and we have a gracious and loving Heavenly Father who has loved us from before we were even born. That's grace. That's justice reformed. That's sola gratia. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. 